Welcome to episode 125 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church for Christ Church and all who would care to listen in. Uh, my name is John Payne. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Presbyterian, a PCA Church here in Charleston, South Carolina, and I'm uh, here with my two co-hosts, uh, Reverend Michael Bauer, also a pastor here at Christ Church Presbyterian, and Dr. Gabriel Williams, who is a professor of atmospheric physics at the College of Charleston. We still have no idea what that is, uh, <laughs> that but Gabe up. is really proficient <laughs> in these things. If you want to know the weather, call Gabe. There That's you go. Right. <laughs> Guys, we are celebrating nine years as a church amen Amen. and i think it's june 8th or 9th is when we had our first worship service Mm -hmm. in 2013 Mm -hmm. and we're already planning for our 10-year anniversary next year so that's that's really exciting praise the lord for his faithfulness to us Uh, and uh, we are here in a a healthy joyful unified church uh, with almost I think 20 officers uh, after we have our ordination service in July Mm -hmm. and uh, good godly faithful men Um, the Lord has blessed our church we have seen this church grow and become what it is uh, without any gimmicks or church growth techniques or Mm -hmm. manipulation or high-powered praise bands or giant orchestras or screens there's not one screen in our sanctuary Um, not to say that uh, we bring great condemnation on anyone that has those things in their in their churches but we praise the Lord that he has shown himself faithful uh, to his means of grace which are simple unadorned ordinary but God promises to use them to point us to Christ and uh, praise the Lord for that Uh, We are uh, today going to discuss uh, a really important topic and a timely uh, subject, namely Christian manhood. Uh, We have seen in our day uh, a real rise of effeminacy. Uh, And if you watch your TV for more than five minutes, you realize that uh, just about every commercial, um, uh, every television show, every movie, uh, and and I'm I'm being a little... um, uh, hyperbolic here. I know it's not everyone, but a large majority of what the media is putting out really has a kind of effeminate approach to men. Mm-hmm. Uh, the men who are being pushed forward are effeminate, and uh, there is a very different view of manhood in our culture than than the Bible clearly uh, communicates, and. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. Mm-hmm. It's an important last sentence there, which would Amen. eliminate any yes. kind of toxic masculinity That's or right. uh, this kind of masculinity that is uh, masked in uh, this kind of machismo, uh, prideful, uh, uh, ungentle, unkind Mm -hmm. sort of approach to manhood, which is not Christian manhood at all, but it's Mm -hmm. done in love. But there is such a thing as acting like a man that God has made us to be. And Mm -hmm. what we've been doing in our men's Bible study on Thursday mornings is reading through a wonderful book written by our friend Rick Phillips from Second President Greenville uh, called The Masculine Mandate. And uh, so... It would be good for us, I think, to have a, a discussion on mm-hmm. this topic, and um, perhaps it would encourage our listeners. I think just the first thing uh, to kind of think about and talk about is, what is a man? And so, 
as was mentioned earlier, uh, if you were to take your cues from the society around you, you may get the impression, probably get one or two impressions that one, men and women are exactly or basically the same with no real distinctions. Or you may get the more, I guess, disturbing view that a good man, or said another way, you may get the view that men are more or less like defective women in some ways, where the way that we make men better is to train them to act and think and to behave as women behave. But kind of going back to the first Corinthians 16 passage, mm -hmm. uh, notice that Paul doesn't spend a lot of time exegeting in that particular text what act like men means. That assumes basically that it was already understood just by the nature of men and women that there are obvious distinct differences. And whenever you think in terms of natural distinctions, you're going all the way back to creation to look at the differences and the complementary pairs between Adam and Eve. So we're going back to Genesis 1 and 2, as we do for everything in the Bible, <laughs> eventually. But one of the things that we know about the differences between Adam and Eve is what they were created to do and what they were created for. And one of the things that comes out uh, pretty, uh, one of the first things that comes out in the actual book, The Masculine Mandate, is that when you look at what Adam's charge is, it's, you know, a two term sort of thing. Your Adam was placed in the garden and he was placed there to, to work it and to keep it. And you basically have a good overarching picture of what men are meant to do just starting there. And you have the concept of work being central to a man's uh, modern terms identity. But then you have the other part of keeping. And you think of keeping in terms of protecting, guarding, and shepherding. And this is where, in a lot of sense, the actual distortions of manhood come into view. Mm. Because one of the things that often is the case is that you can get the impression uh, based upon the opposite side of those who take the manhood as basically being the archetype of everything John Wayne would have done if he was in a movie. All of his flaws and all of his good parts that a, a good man is only a protector. He is only basically fierce, only strong, and basically only meant to essentially have kind of that abrasive side that shows you that he shouldn't be messed yeah. with, he shouldn't be targeted. Interestingly, when John Wayne is depicted uh, in these movies, he's in wars uh, <laughs> and he's fighting against Indians or he's fighting against Germans in, in, in a war yeah. movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when you depict a man in these settings, of course, something's going to come off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean... I hope you don't treat your wife and your children in the same way that you would treat a war. <laughs> right? And that's what we expect. Yeah. Yeah. But what that does mean is that when men are put in certain situations, there are very clear differences in how they operate. The There are a lot of people who say this in different ways, but there is a way a man ought to act around his wife, his children, and others. And then there is a way a man ought to act when there are threats to those things. You want someone in the John Wayne mode if there is actually a war happening. You don't want him being a coward. That's right. At the same time, you do not want that same sense of edge and just abrasiveness 
when you're learning how to raise your children well, to nurture your children, and to nurture your wife. That's two very different scenarios. It's very important to remember, uh, isn't it, that man was made in the image of God, mm -hmm. uh, the Imago Dei, and so mankind is stamped with the image of God. And so, as we discussed uh, this past uh, Thursday in men's Bible study, um, we recognize that man is called, he is made to glorify God. Mm -hmm. And how do we glorify God? We glorify God by bearing that image yes. in the world in which we live, mm -hmm. which is the bearing of righteousness. Mm -hmm. Well, we got a big problem, right? Because when Adam sinned, we sinned in him mm -hmm. and we fell with him, and that original righteousness that Adam was created with in God's image was shattered. Mm -hmm. It's still there, but it's defaced. Mm -hmm. And that's why you have so much moral confusion and corruption in the world today, because we are born in sin. Mm -hmm. And so, what are we going to do? Well, God, by His grace, sent His Son, Jesus Christ, the great man, that's the right. greatest man, the second Adam, to fulfill all righteousness on our behalf, and then to give his life as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, to save us from our sins and from the penalty, eternal penalty of those sins. And so, restored in Christ, brought into union with Christ, now we as Christian men are united to Christ and bearing that image anew, mm -hmm. not perfectly, but in a growing way as we grow in the Lord, we are bearing that image to the world of righteousness, bringing glory to God through our good works. Mm -hmm. So, really, we can't talk about Christian manhood until we first talk about what it means to be a Christian. Amen. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. And if a man is not a Christian, he'll never be able to, to live out Christian manhood. Mm -hmm. Christian manhood is a manhood that lives in God's grace, by God's grace, and in the Holy Spirit, dying to self and to sin, and living to Christ and for God's glory. And you really can't do that, of course, if you're still dead in your sin and in bondage to your sin. Yeah, there's no way that a man will reach the end for which he is created if he is not redeemed by Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. Amen. And that is what manhood is about foundationally. Again, if you don't know what a man is, if you don't know what the end for which man is created, that means you don't know where you should target. And that is true both in terms of watching yourself. It is also true if you have sons. How do you raise your sons? If you don't have the proper target in mind, the end goal for which he was created, then you are probably going to end up mimicking either what society has put in front of you or you're going to mimic a romanticized version of the past in some way or fashion and that's why as you've already mentioned to understand what it means to be a man properly you have to understand what the image of god is yeah. and you have to understand what it means for the image of god to be restored and to be renewed in that man yeah, what's interesting too, we, we mentioned earlier uh, that, um, well, before the, the episode, that the, the world sets before us men to be followed, mm -hmm. models. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what are those models? Those models are professional athletes, mm -hmm. Hollywood actors, entertainers, in entertainers, general. politicians. politicians. Yeah. 
And and so what's our example there? Well, it's a very bad one. Mm-hmm. It's a very bad one. It's it's confused, to- well. totally confused. And and so our our young people they grow up not hearing solid teaching on Christian manhood without models of Christian manhood, and so they just follow. Uh, the ones who are famous, who are celebrities, who yeah. are on their Instagram feeds, and, mm-hmm. and who are on their TVs, and who are their heroes. Meanwhile, these same men who are held up in such high esteem uh, are grossly immoral That's right. yeah. in myriad ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, we talk a lot about how the sexual revolution has damaged our, our thoughts, society's thoughts on human sexuality, but that also really fundamentally plays into our understandings of what it means to be a man or uh, what it means to be a woman. Mm-hmm. And the, the sexual revolution brought about so many different changes so quickly that now what three generations ago, what it meant to be a man, uh, the, the definition to broader society would be a lot different. It would look a lot different. Right now, it seems to be a man, you need to empower women and need to let children do what they want. Um, and you need to just be passive. And we see that in, you know, I think of sitcoms. Think of sitcom dads. Uh, and the way that, that fathers are portrayed on, <laughs> mm-hmm. on sitcoms, they are the butt of every joke and don't take responsibility for their own actions. Pass the, the butt. The same way pastors and priests yes. are portrayed on television, especially with as, the BBC. As mm-hmm. villains. As, as, uh, as, or, as perverted, yes. as uh, immoral, who have no convictions. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which actually describes a lot of pastors and priests. <laughs> oh, no. But we don't need to go there right now. <laughs> But the way that, that men are, are portrayed in so many ways, we're, uh, it's, it's a joke. And um, to be a man then loses any meaning, especially as we talk about how man is to be made to, man, Adam was made to work and to keep. Um, and if it, it, that, that portrayal of biblical manhood is nowhere in our society. And if we as Christians, as pastors and teachers in the church are not going to stand up and say, this is what it means to be a man, then the men in our church, the boys in our churches will, um, will be confused and, or will just follow along with what society tells them it, um, and, and end up follow, following them and, and likely uh, walking away from the church. These words... Uh Integrity, character, Mm -hmm. dignity, reverence for God, love for God and for neighbor, kindness, gentleness, Mm -hmm. thoughtfulness, self-control, self-control, strength. That's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. These kinds of words. Chivalry, which is C.S. Lewis says, is a word that we need more of today yes. because we have a lot of men without chests. That's right. Mm-hmm. There's no courage. Mm-hmm. Uh, men who give in to every impulse and appetite of their bodies. It's why the porn problem is so massive, uh, because men are living in the shadows and trying to fulfill their own desires, and they do that um, by by gorging themselves on entertainment. Um, either through pornography, uh, where they're imagining themselves as, as uh, someone else, or through um, videos or movies and TV shows or video games, mm-hmm. where they're just pretending to live someone else's life um, because they're they're not sure what they're called to do and how to to live as a man. Yes, and we have we do not have this conversation as men without sin, of course. Oh, no. uh, we are not Pharisees. Mm-hmm. But we do want to talk about the reality of the sins that have captured our culture right. and that have infiltrated the church 
and where men think that's that it's okay to have one little compartment of their life that's that's untouchable by God or His truth. Mm-hmm. And um, here's the thing: as when we are pursuing Christian manhood, that is a life of repentance. Mm and a life of faith in Jesus Christ and living for His glory, and as Gabe said earlier, with the aim of glorifying God and enjoying Him forever. Amen. And that leads, uh, again, to the positive. So there's a lot of negative yeah. that's basically put out there. And so now we ask the question, what is a man? And in the book, The Masculine Mandate, uh, Rick Phillips, in a sense, summarizes it in the two terms I mentioned before, working and keeping. So in terms of working, uh, he says the following, to work, and it's, it's a simple, to work is to labor to make things grow. But the idea here is in terms of nurturing, cultivating, tending, building up, guiding, and ruling. So that means when you're thinking about what men do when they are good men, these are men who are devoted to cultivating that which God has placed in their charge. And so that means think about the relationships that God has put around men. Think about the ways in which they are called to lead or to submit. So men are given the charge to lead their families. And so that means you have responsibilities in the household God has placed you in. He is given responsibilities with respect to the wife he has given you, to the children you've been blessed to have. And therefore your job, your calling in this sense is to cultivate your household and so one of the things that we've discussed in men's bible study is that the concept of vocation has been lost when vocation has purely has been kind of transformed just to mean what you do in your nine to five job and we've all seen the worst picture of men who have decided to work 80 90 hours a week making their own kingdom outside the home and then the children and their wives at home have been neglected or abandoned and so that is the worst picture of manhood that you can imagine it's it's making here's the deal it's making the most money you can mm-hmm. so you can buy the most toys that you want yeah. and go on the most vocations that you'd like to go on mm-hmm. it that's really the idea for so many is i want to make a ton of money mm-hmm. so i can enjoy this world's treasures yeah, yeah. And instead of looking at this world as that is something which you use for the glory of God, you're now devoted yourself wholehearted into that which is merely earthly. And that's why the difficulty of being a good man is learning how to cultivate what God has given you. And so, therefore, just a change needs to happen. Your vocation is not your job by itself. It includes all that God has done, all that God has placed in your charge. But then there's the other side, that men are not only leaders of the household. Men are therefore also under authority at different levels. And so men are under the authority of their church via the elders. They are under authority via the local magistrate, wherever you happen to be. And so all of those things you can think of in terms of covenantal relationships. Your ability to thrive, to build, to cultivate those relationships will ultimately determine whether you are meeting the end for which you are created. And then you have the other side. If you're going to spend your time building, that means you also have to keep. And what Rick Phillips says is that this is basically protecting and sustaining the progress already achieved. So watching over, caring for, and maintaining. 
here we're thinking of the gardening analogy at this point where it's not enough to simply plant uh, the actual garden and leave it by itself you have to tend it you have to care for it you have to pull weeds out you have to put a wall around it to protect things from coming in you have to think about the best way to put where to put your garden you have to think and apply what God has given you intellectually and also in terms of all of the gifts he has given you. Often what that means in practice for men is that you consider the gifts that God has placed in your hands and you apply your reason, your thought on how ought this to be applied in the spheres that God has given you. Often, and this is not universally the case, but often we think of our gifts and talents only for the workplace terms of getting jobs but the point here is again vocation is bigger than where you do your nine to five too often uh christian manhood or just i'll just say manhood being a man is seen in light of entertainment and this world's comforts or treasures uh you know the real man is the one that's you know after hunting or fishing is smoking a cigar and drinking a pint and uh and joking about inappropriate things from time to time mm -hmm. and uh, that that's really what it means to be a man and and really that's not there, those may be things that you enjoy doing but that doesn't make you a man mm -hmm. uh, a christian man christian manhood is rooted in in spirituality mm -hmm. it's rooted in your union with christ uh, the the renovation that's happening in your life by you being conformed more and more to the image of Christ, which means that personally you are pursuing God mm -hmm. through Bible reading and prayer and purity and integrity and godliness. And when you sin, you repent of that sin. It, it's through family leadership. Mm -hmm. So being a Christian man means you are leading your wife and your children in the Lord and to mm -hmm. the Lord. Uh, that happens through formal times of family worship throughout yeah. the week. It means opening your Bible and praying with and for your family and singing together and being the leader in that. Mm -hmm. And it means commi being committed to the Lord's Day right. and making sure that your family is there on the Lord's Day, right. worshiping God, sitting under the preaching, uh, being there at the administration of the sacraments, and believing God's promise that, that His gospel promises are attached to these very means of grace and uh, point us to the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Christian manhood, and when the Bible says act like men, it is in no way divorced or separate from walking with God Amen. and being a spiritual leader and a shepherd to those whom God has placed under your care and to your own soul. Amen. In the book itself, um, Rick Phillips uh, gives a story of a deacon at his old church in 10th Presbyterian. And this is one of those classic examples of the difference between what society itself values versus mm -hmm. what a true man is. And he yeah. gives this story of a deacon of his church who his um, earthly job was nothing particularly impressive. I think he was a doorkeeper at a, a, a local mm -hmm. hotel. But the point is that when this uh, godly man died, uh, it turned out that when Rick was going to his funeral, his funeral was filled with all of these people who came in to honor a doorkeeper at a hotel. Mm -hmm. So that leads to the question, why would 
there be so many people after this man's funeral and that's because this man devoted himself to God and he devoted himself to love his neighbor and so as he uh, as this man's uh, funeral is going on uh, person after person comes forward just speaking about the amount of time that this deacon invested into their lives how he led different people to the Lord some of those individuals eventually became ministers themselves but the point was Think about the end of your life. And again, we always talk about the end for which you were created. Mm. If you spent your entire time uh, pursuing your own selfish ambition, uh, we know for certain that everything else that you would have strove for is going to basically be burned up at the end because you cannot take your money and your treasure with you to glory. However, what this deacon himself did was that he understood what manhood was. He understood that he should give his entire life gifts and talents to the Lord. And the fruit of his labor is in the lives of all of the people that surround him. And in a real sense, that's what manhood is. Because this deacon understood his responsibilities to his family. He understood his responsibilities to his church, devoted to the means of grace, and he understood his responsibility to his neighbor, who is everyone, and this is Philadelphia, it's a lot of neighbors, <laughs> but it's his responsibility to those who the Lord has placed in his path. And if men would dedicate themselves to those types of spheres, then you would see very distinct differences in how a man would arrange and alter their lives. No longer would a man essentially be addicted to playing games, whether video or golfing or otherwise. They would devote themselves to that which is of the utmost importance. Amen. We as Christian men want to be more committed to prayer, to the means of grace, to shepherding our families than we are to games and pastimes. Uh, that's important. That's an important word, I think, because yeah. it's different now than it was 50 years ago. Yes entertainment volumes and volumes of 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 shows and and movies and entertainment and channels and 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 uh, video games and opportunity to see sporting contests i mean this stuff is yeah. just crazy now in terms of its availability and offerings <coughs> so we need to be careful that we don't get That's distracted right and caught up in the tsunami of the entertainment world and forget about our, our duties as mm -hmm. Christian men and the privileges that we have uh, as Amen. Christian men to, uh, to shepherd our, those underneath our care and to love our neighbors. Um, and so we do want to highly recommend uh, this book by Rick Phillips, The Masculine Mandate. Um, if you're a member of Christ Church and uh, have not had a chance to join us for our men's Bible study, we do meet on Thursday mornings at 7 a.m. We have a great time of prayer to begin every study. And then we have our Bible study and then we have some, uh, uh, some coffee cake and uh, we enjoy fellowship afterwards. So please join us if you haven't been able to yet. And uh, may the Lord be praised as we seek Christian manhood for His glory. Uh, thank you for joining us uh, on this episode of Between the Times. We hope you'll join us again.